We're going to look at a subject today in Matthew chapter number 6 that shows how important it is that when we do things, that we do them for the right reasons. God expects us to do things. He expects us to do good things. But He expects us to do those good things with the right reasons. What a man does matters greatly to God. God expects men to be kind. God expects men to do good in the world. God expects us to take care of those that are less fortunate. In Matthew chapter number 6, verse number 1, it says, Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father, which is in heaven. So he's going to talk about alms for a little bit. And alms is, is very, very short. It's giving to the poor, but it's considered, particularly in the Jewish culture, to be a very righteous act. And here he's not commanding us to give alms. He's, he's assuming that we're already doing this. Because this is something that is part of our, should be the part of the character of a Christian. This is something that should be a part of a character because he does so much for us. I mean, we live in a country, I've said this before, where we're supposed to thank God for our daily bread, but we, we stop doing that. We lose sight of that sometimes. Why? Because our refrigerator's full. God has blessed us so much that we've become like spoiled children and we fail to thank him for all the things that he's given us. We are truly blessed in this country. The, the poor in this country are very different than the poor in other countries. This is one of the reasons why I, I encourage people to take mission trips. By the way, we're trying to put together a mission trip right now. I'll give you more details when, when it comes together. I'm not sure if we have time to put one together for this summer. It may be, may be the summer of 2025, but we're putting one together right now. And I encourage you to go for a number of reasons, but one of those minor reasons is because you get to see how the, the poor in the other countries live. When we go to help people, we, we're helping children, we're feeding children, that that's their only meal for the day. We're going and we're washing their hair because it's, they're full of lice. When we're examining the feet, we get a, a time where we examine the feet of children. We wash their feet and we examine their feet because, because parasites would grow and get into cuts in their feet. And they'd have to be removed. The doctor was there, the nurse was there, and they would take them into another room and they would cut open the soles of their feet to get these parasites out of their feet before they, they grew and they had to take off the whole foot. And we don't experience those things here. But whether we have the, the poor here or the, the poor there, the poor aren't going away, the Bible tells us. There's always going to be those people in the world that need our help. That's why I get excited about things like the Christmas boxes and, and other things that we do because, because we're helping people that have less than us. You say, well, I don't have very much. Compared to the world, you're rich. But even if you don't have that much, it's a righteous act. It's something that is expected. He tells us several times in our passage today about doing alms. But we need to take heed. We need to guard ourselves. We, we need to do it for the right reasons. We don't do it for recognition. Matter of fact, most of your alms should be done completely serious, uh, uh, secretly. We must guard and be alert to the deception of giving, giving and doing good before men. Because when we do it before men and we, we want to give before men, then, then that's our reward. Because all we were looking for was the reward of men. We weren't really, really looking for any heavenly rewards. We weren't looking for to actually help people. We were just looking to give, gain some status for ourselves. That's the, the celebrities that call a press conference to show when they're giving a big check to somebody or they're, they're helping a community. 
You say, well, well at least they're helping. They are helping, and praise God that, that those people are getting help. But the reward for that person that called the press conference, that's their reward. They're not getting anything else. They're not getting heavenly rewards for that. They, they chose, instead of, instead of choosing heavenly rewards, they chose to get earthly rewards. That's what they get. They got what they wanted. But nevertheless, we are, we are to give alms. We are to do good. It is the duty of the Christian. In this passage alone, it says four times, do alms. So there can be no question about it. By the way, the alms isn't giving to the church. That's not tithes. That's a whole different type of giving. This is specifically that righteous giving of giving to those that have less than you. Doing alms. Verse number two says, Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee. Don't call a press conference. Don't put it on social media. As the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. And some people are thinking, well, but you put the Christmas boxes on Facebook. Yeah, we did that to encourage people to do. Not so that we get patted on the back for doing it. See, there's a wrong motive for doing good. Giving for recognition is the wrong motive. Doing anything for recognition, and we have the wrong motive. It's not about that. It's about helping people. Last week, we gave you guys gift cards. We said, if you need them, great, use them. If you don't need them, we want you to take those and give them to somebody else. And some of you have come back, and you've told me, this is what I did with them. I don't need to know that. I, I don't, I'm not going to discourage that because I, I, I get encouraged when you share that stuff like that with me. But in reality, I don't need to know that. The church doesn't need to know that because, because what you do, that was a gift to you. What you do with that gift, that's between you and God. If you need it, use it. If you don't need it, then be that conduit of God's love and share that gift card with somebody else. Put that, that out there for somebody else that needs it. Because there are some people in our, in our communities that are suffering. You know, it's getting worse and worse the way our economy is going and the way, our, way the, that our, our culture is going. That, that There's a lot of people that can't find work that can sustain them. Some just don't want to work, but that's a whole different sermon. There's several wrong motives. A person may give for recognition and prestige to be praised of men so that They'll remember not only by men today, but by, by men after their death. You know, they donate a wing to the hospital or a, or a library, and they put their name out with their plaque. That's their reward. And it's, you know, if, if somebody wants to, to donate money to the church, and like, hey, we want to donate this, and we want a plaque, we'll take the money, we'll even put up the plaque. But that's it. That's their reward. That's it. A person may give for self-applause, for self-satisfaction. You know, they, they do it to, to assuage some type of guilt that they have in their lives to, to kind of set that apart because they, you know, they think that if they can do enough good works that somehow that will offset their bad works and, and they use it as kind of like a, a ticket into heaven. But that's not how heaven works. We don't go to heaven because of how good or how bad we are. Because if we're completely honest and we, we understand what the Bible says, none of us are good enough to go to heaven. People don't like to hear that because people are like, whoa, whoa, whoa I'm, a, I'm a pretty good person. You might be a pretty good person. The Bible says, though, there's none good. No, not one. But by the world standards, you probably, most of you guys in here, matter of fact, I can't think of anybody in this, in this room right now that by the world standards isn't a pretty good person. But being a pretty good person won't get you into heaven. Helping the poor won't get you into heaven. 
It's a good thing, and it's something we're supposed to do, but it's not a, that, that's a totally different ball of wax. It, that's not how we get to heaven. We get to heaven not because of what we do, but because of what Jesus Christ did. Because of his sacrifice, the only one that was sinless, because of his sinless sacrifice on the cross of Calvary, because of that, we can have a new life. We can have a new birth. We can be born again. We can be accepted into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus Christ paid our prices for us. All we have to do is receive it. All we have to do is believe. Believe in, not believe of. I don't want to go too far down this rabbit trail, but, but the world, the, most people in the world have a belief of Jesus. Did you know that? You have, to, you have to really reject a lot of historical evidence not to have a belief of Jesus Christ. There's more evidence that Jesus walked on the earth than there is Julius Caesar. There's more evidence that, that Jesus walked on the earth than almost anybody of that time frame. We have more documentation, we have more evidence, we have more uh, um, uh, writings, eyewitness accounts of him than almost anybody else of that day. So to say that he doesn't exist is, you have to be a pretty big liar. But a belief of Jesus isn't the same thing as a belief in Jesus. See, belief of, it comes from here. A belief in comes from here. And we need to have that, that faith, that acceptance. I usually use politics at this point, so I'll do it again. When it comes to politics, we all believe of Joe Biden. Right? We all believe he exists. He's a real person. Right? We all have a belief of Donald Trump. Right? We know he exists. We know he's a real person. Right? Animatronics haven't gone far enough to recreate either one of them. Although if you go to the Hall of Presidents, you'll see them. But, but that's, that's different. So we have a belief of both of them. We know they both existed. But if I went around the room, and we won't, but if I went around the room and started saying, do you believe in both of these men? We'd have a hard time finding somebody that believes in both of those men. Because they're, they're so contrast to each other. They're so far on opposite ends of the poles from each other. So we can have a belief of, but we don't have a belief in. You know what the difference is in a belief of and a belief in? Belief of says, I know he exists. A belief in says, I'll, I'll, I'll follow him. I trust him. Can you say you have a belief in both those men? A lot of us would probably say, you know what? I don't have a belief. I have a belief of both of them. I don't have a belief in either one of them. So many of us fall into that category. Many of us fall in the category that we, we, have, we believe in Joe Biden. Many of us fall in the category that we believe in Donald Trump. And, 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 you know, but do you see the difference between a belief of and a belief in? The world has a belief of Jesus Christ, but they're not willing to follow him. They're not willing to turn from their sin and receive the payment that he gave on the cross of Calvary. It's a huge difference. It's a huge difference. That's why the Bible tells us that, that narrow is the way. It's not that people don't know about the way, it's that they choose the broad way. A person may, may give alms out of obligation. They, they feel like they have a sense of duty. You know, my dad raised me to give alms, therefore I'm going to give alms. And, and again, where that's not necessarily a, a bad thing to give, but they're giving through the wrong motivation. They're doing it out of tradition. They're doing it out of, out of, to, to please their family or, or to honor their family. And that's not why we give alms. That's not why we help. 
person does it sometimes to not just for salvation, but to secure the recognition of God, saying, you know, they give and they're like, God, look what I'm doing, God. I'm helping these poor, unfortunate souls. Look what I'm doing, God. And we think that God looks down and smiles upon it and gives us some kind of special recognition for it. That's not why we give alms. That's not the point of alms. It's not always wrong to give alms when men can see, by the way. It doesn't always have to be in secret. What it is is the motivation when we're doing it so that people will see us. If we do it and people see it, that's fine. You know, you help somebody that is at the grocery store and they, you, you can tell they don't have much and their, their card doesn't go through and you say, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and pay for it. Well, the cashier is going to see that. Does that take away from the blessings you're going to get in heaven? No. But if you're doing it so the cashier will see it, you're like, hey, cashier, watch what I'm about to do. Everybody gather around and look how I'm going to help these poor, poor people. Now you have your reward. Kind of makes you a despicable person too, but we won't go down that path. Giving for recognition is, by the way, that's a characteristic of a hypocrite. Giving for the wrong reason. What are we doing? We're doing it for the sounding of the trumpet. We want to, we want to blow our own horn. We want, we want to feel good about ourselves. We want to, we want to get puffed up. We have the, before oneself, we have the sounding of the trumpet in the synagogue. We want other people, other religious people to see what we're doing. So the church and the religious people can say, wow, he's such a gracious person. He's such a a gifting person. And then we sound the trumpet in the streets, it tells us. Why are we doing that? Because we want everybody in public to know what a great person we are. What a giving person we are. Giving for recognition is rewarded on earth and earth only. We have our recognition here. That's it. The Bible tells us they have their reward. It's an accounting statement. You've done this, you get this. You did it for your earthly rewards. You did it to be seen among men. You have your reward. It's done. The transaction is completed. There's nothing else coming. That's it. We can run into that, that, that danger of being alms-centered, to where in order to, to, to feel a self-worth or in order to feel like we're, we're being good about something or doing good about something or, or, or to have that recognition from God that, that we become alms-centered in our life. And we're like, that sounds good. It's like my whole life is, is, is centered around helping other people, and that sounds really good. But our lives are supposed to be Christ-centered, not alms-centered. And when we are Christ-centered, we actually, alms is, is, a, is a, uh, a byproduct of that. That's something that naturally flows from us. Be careful where you center your life. There are people out there that will take something good like alms, and they'll make it a life center. And when they make it a life center, it becomes something that's not so good anymore. And it's not just alms. We do that with all kinds of things. We'll, we'll become job-centered or career-centered. We'll become family-centered. And there's nothing wrong with the family, but when it becomes the center of our life, then all of our rewards are earthly and not heavenly. We actually place our family in a position that was designed for God, and, and we usurp his authority, we usurp his position, and put, put them on the pedestal that's reserved for God. That's a quick way to withhold the blessings of God from your family and from you. Placing something else before God is what Satan did, what Lucifer did, 
that caused them to be expelled from heaven. Be careful. How, how do you tell what your life is really centered around? There's just a couple of things you can very, very easily do. One, what brings you great joy? Now, not everything that brings you great joy, by the way, is the center of your life. Because I'm hoping there's more than one thing that brings you great joy in your life. So just having great joy isn't the only thing, but that's usually one of the, one of the, the, the characteristics of what you're centered around. And then ask yourself this, what am I willing not to go to church for? What are you willing not, what brings you joy that you're willing to skip church for? I know people that, that don't go to church because they, they're too busy putting together the next fundraiser. They're too busy putting together the next alms. And if they're too busy putting against the next alms because it brings them joy, it makes them have that satisfaction in life, and, and they're skipping church because of it, can you see where their life is centered? It's easy to fall into that. Because alms is a form of worship. And when we exclude the house of God, we exclude gathering together, we exclude the commandments of God in order to, to be alms-centered, then we've got everything out of balance. It doesn't matter what that thing is, but it doesn't have to be alms. It could be your family. Are you, does your family bring you great joy? Are you willing to miss church for your family? Then you're family-centered. You're not Christ-centered. Does your job bring you great joy? Are you willing to miss church because of your job? Then you're, you're career-centered, not, not Christ-centered. Some of you aren't going to smile at me after the service, are you? That's okay. Remember I told you when we started this study through the, the Sermon on the Mount that, that we're going to hit some rough areas? We're going to hit some areas that aren't, ex, ex, that aren't comfortable, and those are usually the areas that we need to work on the most. We need to take that sandpaper, maybe a little coarser grit, and kind of work through that in our lives, our relationship with God. Because none of us are perfect. Most of you are like me. You're not even close to perfect. Somebody told me this week that if, if your pastor doesn't occasionally step on your toes while he's preaching, then you need to find a different pastor. So if this doesn't offend you, then just hang on. I'll probably get you next week. Or the week after that, or the week after that. Then if nothing in the Sermon on the Mount offends you, you need to go back and listen to it again because you weren't paying attention. I don't think it's possible for a human being to get through the Sermon on the Mount without having that moment of being uncomfortable, saying, and we'll all do the same thing, by the way. You're not alone in this. We'll all do the same thing. We'll say, yeah, yeah, I know it says that, but this is my situation. Like somehow our situation is different, and God's like, wow, you know what? I never saw that coming. You're the exception. Everybody else has to do this, but you're the exception. It's not how it works. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15 says, For the love of Christ is constraineth, uh, constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we were all dead. And that he died for all, that they which, should not, which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. You see, we were bought with a price. We were bought with a price. We didn't accept Christ as our Savior. We didn't become a new creature so that we could continue to do and act the exact same way. 
our motives should be different. Even if we were doing good things, and hopefully you were doing good things before you accepted Christ as your Savior. Now you may be doing the same good things, but your motivation has to be different. If it's not, there's a problem. There's a problem. Verses, verse 3 and 4 of Matthew chapter number 6. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what the right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and the Father which seeth in secret shall, himself shall reward thee openly. Now, people get confused, like the left hand, the right hand, they don't know what they're doing. What that means is, it's not like it's actually a complete secret to the other hand, but it becomes that it's such a, just such a way of life that you're not even thinking about it. How many of them, when you walked in this morning, once you got past the threshold that's a bizarre eighth of an inch too high, and people want to catch their heels on it, once you got past that, did you have to think right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot? Most of us don't have to do that, right? Now, if you're in rehabilitation or something, you might have to do that. You have to concentrate on each step. But for most of us, we don't have to think. The right foot isn't saying, well, you know, I'm not moving until the left foot moves. There's not a conscious thing going on there. And that's the way our almsgiving should be. It shouldn't be something that we have to think about. It shouldn't even be something that we have to plan necessarily. It should just be something that flows naturally out of the Christian. And we truly see somebody that needs help, that we are moved with the compassion, the compassion that he has for us. We're moved with that same compassion upon them. And we're moved to help them. We should give almost unconsciously. Pay no attention to what we're doing. We should give secretly, privately, quietly. And again, that doesn't mean that if somebody sees it, it's all spoiled. But we're not calling a press conference to do it. The only right motive for giving is to help people. That should be our sole motivation. We give because we're, we're expected to. We give because it flows through us normally. But our motivation should be because we want to see people get better. We want to see people lifted up. We, want to, we don't want to see people enabled. You know, there needs to be discernment in our giving. And we don't, want, we don't need to give people things that, that are just going to cause them more problems. I remember one time, and, and I'd forgotten about it until my son reminded me. We were down in South Florida, and we were going to the grocery store, and we were stopped in the parking lot, and a guy, and he just reeked of alcohol. And he's like, hey, can you give me a couple bucks? And I'm like, no, I'm sorry, I can't. I have to be discerning, right? I can't because I know what he's going to do with it. You know, he can tell me anything he wants to tell me, but I know what he's going to do with me. So we went in the store, and we were buying our groceries, and, and I bought some, some apples and some other things and all. We went back out there, and we looked for him. He was down the road a little bit. We looked for him. We found him and pulled up to him. I'm like, hey, buddy, come here. And I gave him the, the food. That's what he said he wanted money for was food. And he was very, he was very uh, um, excited to get the food. Now, I, this is somebody that obviously has a problem with alcohol and where maybe his intentions were good and he was going to buy food if I'd handed him money and he's got money in his hand and he goes to the store. His addiction may fuel. His addiction may, his mind may say, I need a sandwich, but his, his feet may walk right to the, to the beer. And so I gave him food. And I forgot about that until one day my son, I don't remember what we were doing, we were doing. She's like, remember that day? Honestly, I kind of forgot. He was little, he was in the back. And it stuck with him. We need to, to live it out. So, so just because he saw it 
didn't take away the, the blessing of it, didn't take away the power of it. It may have actually encouraged him to be more giving as he grows up, if he ever grows up. He's probably watching. God sees the secrets. You know, we don't have to have fanfare. We don't have to have trumpets blasting. We don't have to, to have the, the approval of man. We don't have to do all this out in the public because God sees everything. Beyond the act, he sees the motivation of our hearts. And he rewards appropriately. In, in Jeremiah 17, 10, he says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruits of his doings. You notice it's not just the fruits, it's not just the benefit, but also his, his what? His ways. Why he's doing it. The way he's doing it. God sees all these things. God knows us so much better than we know ourselves. We can put on a fake front for everybody else. You can fake it and pretend for everybody else, but God knows your heart. God knows you better than anybody. God knows you better than you, because we can even lie to ourselves, can't we? I lie to myself all the time. Then I walk by the mirror. I get startled sometimes in the morning because there's an old man in my bathroom. This dude's scary in the morning too, man. Hair's all everywhere. and I let out a little girl scream. He's like, what's going on? I'm like, that old man's back. We should really get somebody to take care of this. Surprised I haven't shot the mirror yet. But we lie to ourselves, right? Don't we all feel like we're like 18? And then we start walking. It's like, oh. And the kids want to know why I was sitting down yesterday at work day. Little brats. Want to know why I was sitting down at work day. I'm like, mind your business. I'm like, because I hurt. I'm old. Why do you hurt? Because I'm old. Leave me alone. Go do something. <laughs> work. <laughs> Got sweet kids around here, man, but they ask a bunch of questions. I usually just send them to Harmon. He sees in private thy father. Notice he doesn't just say God. He says, Thy father. If God is truly a person's father, then a person must do good. They must give. They must, they must do the things that they're supposed to do. Anything less is disobedience. Anything less is displeasing to our Father. It's that relationship. What does it say? He will himself shall reward thee openly. It is God who rewards us. It's not the people that see it. It's not karma. It's not the, the secret. It's not anything in the universe. It's God that rewards our good efforts. It's God that rewards our alms. And we can rely upon him to do it. But again, our motivation isn't to do it so that he rewards us. Again, we're doing it for the wrong motivation. But he's assuring us that he will reward us. And it's, this isn't a secret reward. This is a reward that, that is happening in, out in the open. You ever met those people, those Christians that are out there, it just seems like everything's always falling in their lap? It's like everything they, they, they do is just like God is blessing them over and over. I can almost bet you what they, they secretly or privately are helping a lot of people. 
But they're doing that on the download. They're doing that quietly because it's not about that. And when they do it quietly, God rewards them openly. A faithful person will be rewarded as a son, not a servant. You know, he's our father. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are a son of God, a child of God. And so it's not a, a, a master-servant relationship. It's a father-child relationship. And we're a lot more forgiving of our children sometimes than we are random kids. Sometimes not. But you see these people on TV and, and you know, the, he just slaughtered a whole bunch of people and they put his mom on TV and what does she always say? He was such a good boy. Well, he's not a good boy. But in a mother's eyes, he's a good boy. She remembers that little six-year-old. Not the serial killer. And our father is a, a gracious father, more gracious than any earthly parent. He loves us. He desires to reward us. He desires to do things for us he, because he loves us. Again, our motivation isn't for that. Our motivation is, isn't for the acceptance of God. We are his child. Even when we mess up, we are still his child. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. John chapter 1 says he gave us the power to become the sons of God. Meaning that we weren't the sons of God at one point. The only way you can become something is if you weren't already that thing. The world will tell you we're all the children of God. That's not found anywhere in the Bible. That's made up out of air. The Bible says that we are the enemies of God. And Jesus Christ dying on the cross gave us the power, gave us the ability, paid the price so that we can become the sons of God. That's powerful. That means that he's done everything. All we have to do is believe. All we have to do is believe. Do you believe today? You know, we talk about alms. Sometimes people are, they start questioning their motives and all. And sometimes the reason they're questioning their motives is because they're, they're doing it for the wrong reason. Sometimes the reason why they're doing it for the wrong reason is because they're not a child of God. Just like we can fake our alms, we can fake being a child of God. Churches are full of them. Full of fake people. Some of them are, are willful fakes, and some of them are, are, are confused fakes. They've been taught something wrong, and they, they believe something wrong, and they're putting their trust in something wrong. I had a man tell me one time that I asked him if he was going to heaven. He says, yes, he's going to heaven. I asked him, well, so, well praise God, you're going to heaven. What do you base that on? He says, well, I was baptized as a baby. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible, nowhere in the Bible does it say, get baptized as a baby, you go to heaven. Not one place. Doesn't even hint at it anywhere. It's not getting dunked in water that sends us to heaven. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. What we do with that shed blood. Nicodemus was told he had to be born again if he wanted to enter the kingdom of God. Not be baptized, not do good things, not give a bunch of alms, be born again. And that's still the method today. If you're here today, you've never been born again, you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I pray today will be that day. Let it, let it transform you. Let it, let it start to work through you. Christian, if you're a Christian, you become cold and callous to this world, and you stop giving alms, you stop that. Understand that that's a, that's a disobedience before God. 
We need to be giving people. Discernful giving. We don't just give, we don't enable. The Bible has some warnings about not working. If, you know, it, I don't give to people. If they're if they, if they are healthy and they can work, I might buy them a sandwich, but that's about as far as it's going. Because I'll, I'll, I've gone as far as to buy them work clothes and work shoes and stuff like that so they can get a job, help them give that little boost up. But you got to be careful. We don't enable people. That's not alms. That's enabling. We have too many people in our, in our circles that are enabled and encouraged, whether by, by us or by government or by other people. We need to be very discerning. The Bible says you don't work, you don't eat. Matter of fact, most of the time when it talks about alms, it's talking about two specific groups of people. It's talking about the, the widows, those whose husbands have died. And, and, of course, this was the agricultural community at the time, and, and it was more difficult for women to work in the fields than it was for the men to work in the fields because of, just because men and women are different. And for the fatherless, and not the adult fatherless, not, well, I'm 50 years old and my dad died, so now everybody has to give me money. No, not those guys, the little ones that don't have a father. And fatherless, by the way, doesn't necessarily mean the father is dead. Father could just be a, not a good person. And they're, by all effects, fatherless. That's why when we go and we set up the feeding centers, we do the feeding centers in other countries, and we, we only feed the children, by the way. And we don't ask them, do you have a father? Or do you not have a father? Does your father work? Do you not? We don't do any of that. We just feed the children. We show them the love of Jesus Christ. Because they don't have the ability to provide for themselves. Once they get older, and for some people, this bothers some people. Once they turn 18 and they hit that, that magic number of 18, they're supposed to be out working. Most of them are already working before that, by the way. But they're supposed to be out working. They're supposed to be providing for themselves. And so they don't get to come to the feeding centers anymore. We feed the children. We try and teach them to be accountable. We have several places, and one of the ones that we sell, that we uh, uh, work with, um, they have a, 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 a training center, and they teach the, the kids how to do different things. One of the big things they teach the girls how to do is they teach them how to sew. They teach them how to make things. And so that they can have a, a living, even if they don't have a husband or if their, their husband has died or something, they can go and they can, they can sew things. They can make things that can be sold or that can be a benefit to their community, and they can earn a living, a modest living that way. And we teach them how to do these things. There's one place we went to where they were setting up computers. They were going to teach, they weren't just going to teach the kids computers, but they were going to use the computers so the kids could learn other things. Once they're tied into the web, they can learn things like well, our equivalent of a GED or something, or then get other education. And we use that to teach the kids because we want them to be self sufficient. That's all almsgiving. That's what that is. If you're here and you don't have Jesus Christ as your, as your Savior, you may think that a lot of this is just a waste of money, a waste of time. But when you have Jesus Christ in you, and you're letting him control you, you're letting, letting the Holy Spirit have full access, giving alms is easy. It just happens. It breaks your heart when it doesn't happen. Because we have the heart of God.